All right, listen up, spuds. This is Zap Brannigan, eh? master of time, space, and everything else in between. And, uh, oh, yeah, winner of this year's Modesty Award. Uh, you're listening to You Suck. What's the difference with Al and Tom? You're one stop for this sort of thing. Yeah. Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to You Suck, What's the Difference podcast. I'm Alex Whiteley. And he's muted. Uh, uh, Mike and Mike. I'm Tom Bruno. So there he is. To, I was trying to do some of that, you know, microphone etiquette you're talking so much about, and then I forgot I did my microphone etiquette. I'm I, Tom um, Bruno. I've really rubbed Tom up the wrong way, by the way, guys. He had the really icy, noisy drink. I was like, dude, get the fuck, get rid of that cup. And he's like, I'm going to slap you. He's like, <laughs> Great cup. <laughs> Great cup. It's my. It's like the only thing I brought back from South Carolina, and it's an excellent squishy cup. But it is very, very loud. It's not like you're wrong. It's not like I'm Alex. You're offhand, and you can't say these things. It's true. Uh, one of us has to think yeah. that way. Mm. Yeah. Um, and we like to speak to people from all walks of life on either side of the ocean. Okay, that's what we do, and we like to compare our cultures and find out how people became the way they are. And we, I have been very busy on this with this silly twenty-four hour live podcast thing we got going. Where so I haven't been able to sort of schedule people in, and it's been an absolute nightmare. Whereas my wife was like, "Ah, let me do this a little bit for you. I can I can get people in." So what she does, she goes on Instagram, finds in, in, interesting people, and she spoke to today's guest, which is Casey Jost. Uh, wrote a message to you, and Casey, you were so gracious in going, "Yeah, okay, I'll come on." Yeah. Uh, so. If- <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Why not? Maybe a little bit of podcast. No, no. <laughs> um, so, thank you very much, Casey, for joining us. Uh, now, the reason why I've—I mean, you must get this all the time—and I'm very sorry if I sound very repetitive. But Cass is like, "Oh yeah, he's a producer on the on the Impractical Jokers," and I was like, "He's the what now?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just a producer on Impractical Jokers. I was like, "Fucking get him in!" <laughs> I was like, "He's got to come on our show." So, thank you again for coming on the show. Which was, uh, which is instantly enough. The same exact thing they say in bed all the time. We'll just get it in. Let's do this. Fucking yeah, yeah. Actually, I feel like that's it's probably said less frequently than you'd imagine. It's just <laughs> really him, right? It seems like. A lot, yeah. a lot of that stuff is unspoken. Yeah, crazy. Uh, it reminds me of that Family Guy sketch where it's like, nearly, 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 and it's over. <laughs> I think I'm having the wrong kind of sex if that's, if that's out there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> really? It sounds, it sounds a lot like, you know, my sex, generally speaking, because, like, you know, I start with a little bit of foreplay or whatever, and then I kind of move into, like, the motion of it all before. And I'm like, oh, that was excellent. You... You came too, right? And she's like, "No, it's it's a really big disappointing thing in my house. I don't know how." I'll try it harder next time. <laughs> it's <laughs> she, always like this. She's always like, "If there's gonna be a next time, you fuck." I'm like, "What'd you say?" She's like, "Nothing. Love you." Uh, 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 like a porno sitcom or something, dude. Why don't they have those? Like, there's horrible acting in pornos as it is. It, it's not good. I mean, if they threw a little bit of comedy, don't you think they do better? I think you're right, and it's also funny to have a porno that's like in front of a live studio audience. That's like a reoccur- with reoccurring <laughs> characters. I think that's. I think we're onto something. Let's do this shit, Casey. We, we, we'll write this stuff. We'll make it, and we'll make some money, man. Do you reckon HBO Max would, would uh, take it? Uh, you know, I think maybe it would have to be like Cinemax um, or Skinemax, as we call it. Skinemax. <laughs> or, uh, yeah, or, or like. 
I bet you like stars XXX or something like that. It would have to be one of those other channels. Does Playboy still have a channel? Yeah, I was just going to say we had in, in Staten Island, New York, we had six channel 62 was Playboy and 63 was a, was a channel called the Spice Network. And the Spice Network was always a little bit more raunchy. Like Playboy would, they would do, they would, they wouldn't show as much, I think. And Spice would be like softcore porn. <laughs> what, what, what's that off? What TV show is like? They do softcore porn. <laughs> okay. Um, I think I think all TV softcore porn now. There's like, oh, we're gonna show you just enough to entice you, but we're not gonna show you the full insertion because you can't handle it. Yeah, that's, that's how you TV can is. handle the truth. So but, the internet took care of the hardcore stuff. <laughs> uh, I was gonna explain to Casey, by the way. I am. Co- it looks like I'm covered in tattoos. I'm not. I am. Um, I've just come back. I, I'm a. I work at a, a prison as an actor, and we just did prison break. And like, I had a teardrop tattoo. Those are tattoos that we drawn on me. Like, hi, like you know, hi, uh, you know, things like that. So I just want you to think I'm just drawing myself randomly. Um, <laughs> Would you ever get a prison tattoo? Uh, I get normal tattoos. I mean, I got normal tattoos, but I mean, I would yeah, never like, go into prison. Ever, but like, you- right? Like, because I feel like there's, you know, there's like a thing where people want the authenticity of like sort of a sailor style tattoo, and I think like tattooing, like a prison tattoo, is like almost a rite of passage. And I could see sort of like younger people, like like hipsters, being like, you know, I'm gonna get like a prison style tattoo, which is like mm. ink and it's done with like a hot pen or something, you know. Um, I, I could see that getting popular, and I, I could even understand it being like, yeah, that's like the real way to get a tattoo. I, I imagine if I went to get a, a prison in, a prison tattoo, I'd be like, yeah, I, w- I want a I want a boat just here, and there's a naked lady just appear on my arm. I'm like, I, I wanted a boat, and you'd be like, you get what you're fucking given, bitch. You know, <laughs> I'd be afraid, I got it. I'd be afraid that someone would put like a white power tattoo or something. <laughs> I'd be, I'd be like, I'll pass on this round. I don't even have a tattoo, so I'd be really what a prisoner well, would give me. People put so much meaning behind everything nowadays that like it's so hard to pick out anything. Where you're like, oh, I got this nice spider right here, or whatever. And like, oh, you didn't know that's like the Ku Klux Klan's fifth emblem that they like to use. How dare you, fuck! Um, I got a real tat. I got a real tattoo. Um, my buddy had a needle with some thread wrapped around it. He dipped it in tattoo ink. Went, Poked me a whole bunch. It was a smiley face, which I got covered up and did a little bit better. I was gonna say that's your prison tattoo. <laughs> it was, and then I was like, "Well, I like real tattoos." So I, I, um, I had somebody go over it so it didn't look like some crack addict was like, "Just one more hit, man. I got this." <laughs> yeah. <that's the> right <laughs> thing. Thank you. I think so. But plus, you know, it, 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 it was it was fine. It was fine. He's just you know. Which, by the way, actually, funnily enough, the guy who did the tattoo was uh, a very influential KKK member son who uh, did not like what his dad was up to. So he kind of like fucked off and raised his own family. And he tells me this as he's giving the tattoo. I'm like, this isn't a bad thing that I'm doing right now, is it? You're not like putting like the symbol that says, "Hey, this guy's cool to everything you do," right? Yeah. Wow. That is that's wild. You know, it's true though. It's like people are allowed to. To, you know, pave their own way. Mm. It's true. Mm. Got to, Speaking got of paving, <laughs> yeah. Good, good. No, no, no. Thank we you. Thank you. You go first, Alex. You're so you're so clever, British guy. No, you started, man. You started. Okay. Speaking of paving your own way, Speaking of paving your own way, where does it all begin for you, Casey? How the fuck do you become you? Oh man, I, I don't even. A lot of uh, mistakes. Uh, no, uh, I I guess I, I grew up in, you know in Staten Island, New York, and in terms of like 
if 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 our end goal in term in you know it, it, maybe what you guys are getting at in terms of like writing for and producing stuff for Impractical Jokers, I always think that like kind of starts back to when I was like, you know, uh, making trying to make my friends laugh in school, right? Like that's very much what Jokers is, and like um, why I like it so much, and I think a lot of people like it because it's really just like a couple friends making each other laugh, and mm. that was for me my favorite I, I i had like perfect attendance from like kindergarten to eighth grade before you know you like we, i was in one school uh for that whole time and i had perfect attendance i never missed a day of class and it's because i just I, and i had terrible grades by the way very bad grades so it's not like I was paying attention and what i was doing the whole time was just like having a good time like joking around with my friends and so that's where i think it begins where you start to develop like your sense of humor that's very important mm. milestone um, yeah. And then after that, I, you know, I, I think in like sixth or seventh grade, I started doing like in the summers, I would do like a, like a musical or a play, like, mm. you know, with like a, at, at like a camp, like a summer camp that was like for that. My mom just thought my brother and I would be good at that. And I definitely think that's sort of a life changing moment too. Cause like some of the shows we did incorporated like improv, which I, is a huge thing for my whole life, like where I continued my whole life. And then Jokers is so much of like, taking a situation and the guys like make stuff up or sometimes ahead of time we try to think of stuff to plan and you're in your head you're like improvising for the future like improvising for that moment where you're mm. like you know behind the counter or as a waiter or something whatever the situation is on the show now do you um you know because obviously like it plays such a huge part into it did you as you were furthering you know your life did you ever like take some improv and put it in the situations that probably didn't call for it like you know like you said waiter so like you're waiting a table and you're like i'm gonna throw in an accent right here i'm gonna improv some shit and just see how it kind of goes you ever do that type of stuff yeah for sure like yeah like there, there are times that we plan or, or like you know we don't plan too much and we always like to like throw a lot of surprises at the joke mm. or sometimes we'll um like i'll talk to one of them and be like what would you want to feed the other guy? Like, you know, what would you want to give him to work with? And sometimes we are just like, let's grab that prop and, and see if you could use it. I always like it to be somewhat, you know, organic to the environment or whatever, you know, like it should, it should sort of come out of some sort of reality so that the person doesn't automatically suspect that they're on a hidden camera show. So mm. Toe that line. But sometimes it's just, you know, if it's funny, it's funny. And uh, you just blow it up as fast as we can. Or save it to the end and then throw an axe at someone, you know? Hmm. I was going to say, I love that because I, I always do this with uh, great writers and uh, actors that come on our show. I'm kind of like, yeah, well, I work at a prison, you know. <laughs> but what we, a lot of what we do is, is improv. We have an a character that we have to play for a good two or three hours and you can't stop. And I always explain to my wife when I get home, it's really hard because you've got to be on. You got to be on, like literally, bam! For two hours, you got the, you are this character, and my character at the moment is just to be a dick. Like I just got to ruin people's day. That's my thing. But I'm ballsy. At, uh, yeah, tell me more about that. Like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> so, um, without giving too much away, they have to collect things because uh, it's it's like an escape room, but in a real prison. They got to escape the prison, and um, so they got to collect things, you know, like money and drugs and contraband and stuff. Uh, to be able to complete it. So what my job is to tell them to trust me because I'll help them 
but actually fuck them up. Uh, I've got to steal stuff off them and make their lives harder. But in first, I've got to try and coax them in a little bit. Yeah, 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 I'm the guy, I'm the guy. You know, sort me out some money and I'll give you some clues and I'll just walk off with their money and not, not see them again. You know, silly things like that. Um, it's it's fun because like you get, I get the opportunity to be the person I can't be in real life. I get to be a fucking an asshole uh, and just, you know, it's fun because people will be like, I'll be like, yo, 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 yeah, chuck me that money. Yeah, chuck me that money. And, and I'll, I'll come back and I'll help you out. And I'll be like, thanks. And I just walk up and they're stood there like, what? You just took my money off so me. It's great. Essentially like a real prisoner because, I mean, that's kind of how I'd be. Like, oh, yeah, I'm totally going to help you get away from that big guy. All right, now I'll see you later. Goodbye. Yeah. And you're like, but I thought you were going to help me. And he's gone. Um, mm-hmm. That's heavy. That's a lot to deal with. That's a lot harder than my job. No, 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 yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Um, Casey, so there have been, you know, there have been plenty of predecessors when it comes to um, hidden camera television, the most famously being Camden, uh, Camden Camera, um, or, you know, at least that's the oldest one that I can think of. I think that was like a 60s, 70s initially when it first started. I think it was actually a radio thing to even before that. Um, they always emphasize the importance of what they call the release. <clears throat> now, um, for anyone that's not familiar with the term, it's when you do like this uh, scenario to someone and you put them in an awkward situation. And then the thing that they realized really early on is before that they kind of finalized how the show went, they would just kind of leave and they wouldn't let people be in on the joke. And then they realized that the ratings were so terrible that one that um, the way that they got beyond that was by involving them in the joke. And then people were comfortable with the scenario. How important is the release in a show like Impractical Jokers? Yeah, so uh, there, there, well, there's two there's two kind of terms we use, and I want to make sure we like say the difference is because like a release that we what we call a release is like when they sign a paper at the end of it. Okay. Yes. And, Sorry. Yeah, they sign it, and and we get their permission to be on TV because yes, you know, we you have to for most TV shows. I think for like journalists or or you know for journalism, like on if you you know you see somebody on the news that. I think they have, they're allowed to show people and they have to, you know, they can't be criminal about it, but the difference there is, um, the difference in our show is since it's going to be, it's like a, it's a film show, you can edit people out. And so they need to sign a release, but do you mean the reveal? Like when someone comes, like you're on the show? Yes, exactly. Um, I was using term. I, I listened to a Radio Lab episode, and that's how they referred to it. So I'm sorry if I'm using the wrong terminology, but that's exactly what I mean. Is 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 that? Yeah, I, I think it's. I think they're both correct. I'm just like I'm just trying to think in terms of what we say, like the, our vernacular on jokers. But okay, we say like okay, like we could, you could, you could. We say sometimes like okay, you could release them, but often we don't show the reveal too much unless something's like really hysterical about it. Like I, a lot, I think a lot of fans really want us to show more of the reveal, but often the funnier part had happened right before, like where they were just interacting. And ultimately, the show's about these four friends embarrassing each other, and it's mm. really about, uh, like you know, oh, you're like you know, we got you. Yeah. Like, how do you feel now? You know, uh. once in a while, if it's like a really remarkable thing, there be, there be times where people are like. Oh, I th- I know the show, but I didn't recognize you. And then all the other guys come. Or there was one where, yeah, there was one where a guy was like, "Oh, this is this this is funny. This reminds me of a this show that I watched." And they were like, "Oh, what show?" And uh, they were it was like something was like, uh, the impractical uh, practical jokers or something. And he was like, "Oh, really?" And I was like, "What's that about?" And then all the four guys started coming out, and he like finally put it together. So when something's like that special of a moment, we will show it. But otherwise. 
the reveal part is not that important to our show, but the release part, like getting them to yeah, that's important <laughs> because I think there's a difference. Once in a while, I don't mind seeing a blurred face, but, but our show is dependent on like the reaction. Mm. So if the guys do something outlandish, he said, "What now?" Yeah, <laughs> we yeah. That. I, I just think it's, you know, if it, if it was all blurs, it wouldn't work. It would be like, what am I even watching? But because I think people, you know, want to put put them put their own minds in the situation of both characters. And I think you picked one of the most important things that I think I think a lot of people really enjoy about Impractical Jokers is that, that inclusivity. You you feel like you're part of the the, the the friendship and the group. You know, you feel like you're in on the joke. And also, like me, 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 and Tom are very, very huge fans of Kevin Smith. And there's, I know there's, I know that sounds like a weird thing to say, but Staten Island and New Jersey has this huge like group of people that have just stuck together throughout their careers. You know, Kevin and Q and, and Ben Affleck and all you guys, the, the, the Impractical Jokers themselves, have all worked together their entire lives. And there's just this click that everybody just wants to be a part of. It's so beautiful. You know? Yeah, I, I think about that a lot too. It's really, it's really interesting. I don't know. I, I think it must happen all over the place, with, or you know, with other crews and stuff. But there's something like so. There's, I don't know. There's something about this, this northeastern New Jersey, you know, Staten Island thing that we're everyone's kind of related. Everyone's like, you know, a, a few degrees separated. It's yeah, it's funny. I grew up loving mm. Kevin Smith too, and the fact that. Like, you know, he's done a bit on our show. It was just, mm-hmm. I was like, this is so crazy. And I find what you're saying very true, because the moment that you said you're from Staten Island, I am I was born in uh, Kingston, Poughkeepsie, New York, um, in that general area. And of course, that's like the bastard child of New York City. I'm only like an hour away or whatever. And I kind of like, look, I'm like, look how pretty the city is from over there. Um, <clears throat> so whenever, you know, like someone says they're from New York or they're like whatever, the, you know, around that type of scenario, I'm always like, oh, I love New York. And these are the reasons. So there's instantly a connection between I and I think it's just because of you all, like no matter where you come from in that area you all kind of have like similar experiences at least for the most part i mean that could be life though too right i mean like maybe it's just because we hear things that were relevant we're like oh i love that but instead it's like we all have those same scenarios asshole us over in oklahoma us in california you fuckers in new york so i don't know which it is it is weird that this show has gotten more popular because in my head i'm like there's there's these four staten island guys like people from our walk of life you know jersey upstate new york included but it's great. Like everyone around the world likes it. So it's, it's wild to see how, like, I think that's the testament to like their friendship dynamic that everyone can relate to, to some degree, or they know people like it or mm. the situation is open enough that it's like, Oh, that's really, I've been in that situation. If that had happened to me, there's a, like a lot of point of views you could come in on. Now, as you know, you guys have done, uh, I think it's like 10 years now of impractical jokers, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Um, has there ever been a scenario that was just too much or even like just wasn't okay for TV that you guys are like, Oh, that can't go in there. Yeah. Early on, we made a few little mistakes. There was one where like the guys were at a toy store, like, um, like, like whining for toys, but it's like adults. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, but the reactions from people were all like, let's help this person. Oh no! <laughs> People were like, "Oh, he's there's something happening here that's you know that we should be sensitive to." Yes. Well, ultimately, wasn't that funny because people like if people were like, you know, this guy's you know wild or like you know it, it would be better, but I don't think we thought it through that people would assume 
that this person needs some help and then you know i think someone even just bought a toy for them like instantly you know do you, the whole bit and and so it was kind of a failure because people are too nice <laughs> do you think that that skip might have worked a little bit better say in like the 80s when people were more like um like cut line or not even the same proper term like they're a little more yeah, like fuck, fuck you best yeah game. exactly <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah do you think it would have played a little bit better then because nowadays everyone is very sensitive to one another's feelings like i mean which is a good thing and a bad thing it makes us overly sensitive but also makes us more aware of our surroundings and the people that are around there. Do you, so do you think something like that would have worked better, you know, even 20 years ago? Yeah, it's a good question. I definitely think there would probably be a different response, but I would go back farther, like a 1950s or 1970s. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know why there, there's something that's like that behavior in general in like the 50s would be like, I mean, there's people that are probably like lock him up. <laughs> FDR wouldn't act like that. Get that fucker out of there. I imagine like, Take that Looney Tune to the Looney bin. Right? Like, I feel like that's what that's what I'm imagining. Like, um, yeah, but yeah, there there is something to it. I mean, we, that was this was 2011 when we filmed that. Uh, and the other thing we filmed that we never made it was they were playing mimes. So they had like white paint on their face, and they were playing mimes, and then the other guys were telling them what to do. And it was like the problem there is mimes are funny. Like they, you know what I mean? Like they're, they're, it's a humorous performance type thing. So if they say something like, you know, take this person's headphones off there, like a, a mime would do that. So it's better to come at a point of somebody who's like not supposed to do weird things. It's like, it's like, it's literally playing a clown, but a clown would almost be better because clowns speak. So it was, yep. like, it was like a mime that wasn't saying anything, that was doing things, and people were just like bemused. They were just like laughing, and the guys were like, I, he can't even say anything. You know, <laughs> once in a while he did say something, which then it's kind of funny because then it's a mime who's breaking character. But to do that four times, which is also just like another whole other thing we could talk about, which is like it's different than any other kind of show, a hidden camera show, because we have four guys that have to do something. So when we're writing mm -hmm. and coming up with these ideas for what we're, where we're going to go, what we're going to do, we have to be like, it has to work four times, like in four different ways. Mm. And just do the same thing, you know, four times. Otherwise, it just gets stale. Um, it, I, do you find it funny that people can do white face, but we can't do anything else? Like, it's totally fine for mom to throw a white, like, throw a white face, but nobody else can do anything else because apparently we're just a bunch of assholes. I don't know. Yeah, I mean... I. I, I don't think whiteface is like steeped <laughs> in like the issues that blackface is. <laughs> no, no, probably not. But I'm just saying, like, I, what do you say? Like, put out the whiteface. I was like, hmm, how come they can do that, but we can't? So what's so what's the problem? Uh, a bunch of racial injustice is the problem, but still, that's, you know, that's, still. that's when you go read a fucking book. That's what. <laughs> hey, like, hey, I don't know how to read, <laughs> Alex. Fuck off. I'm illiterate. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, did you did probably like? There's probably some other like. Uh, you know colors i mean like sports teams will do like a half white half blue that's yeah yeah until eiffel 65 is like fuck you i'm blue abba -deba -ba -die. and you're like whoa calm down <laughs> you do it in green you're like do you hate you. the irish is that why you're doing this <laughs> like well just drink some beer you fuck um yeah. so impractical jokers being what it is how hard was it to get this on tv um it took a long time i mean it, it, I, I was part of the process more so when the show got picked up but I, I i i you know donated some music to the pilot that's how it kind of started I, I had known sal for a while so i was pulling for him and they had some other pilots that they had 
gotten, you know, they had, they had pitched some other ideas to some other networks and got it picked up for a pilot and then nothing happened with it, which I would say is like 90% of the time, like 90% of ideas that people pitch to networks, either, you know, they either just get killed there or they go to pilot and then they get, they never air or, you know, it just gets stopped there. It doesn't get greenlit. And so the Jokers had one or two ideas that came close. And then this one, they, you know, they were filming that they were themselves with their own phones and like video ca- like camcorders. And they like made a sizzle reel, which is like a, a two to th- five minute like I like sample of what the idea would be like. They showed a bunch of networks uh, or they maybe they did it for the production company. Yeah. They, no, they, they used that sizzle. They showed a bunch of, uh, you know, networks like MTV liked it. True TV liked it. Uh, and then a few other ones maybe had some interest, but ultimately it didn't go anywhere else. And I believe that MTV said, we would like to do the show, but we would like to have a different cast every episode. <laughs> Real? I mean, that's that's interesting, but stupid. <laughs> if I remember correctly, because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't there. But um, and then the guys were kind of like, that's great. It could be a great show. MTV is a great network because, you know, MTV at that time versus True TV, which had just switched over from Court TV. Yeah. It was fairly new, and they didn't have a lot of comedy shows. So MTV kind of had, you know, it had like Silent Library and Boiling Points. So it kind of made more sense. But I think, I think they ultimately were like, we want to be on. We think, we think like our charisma and like our relationship will drive the show. Let's go to <clears> TV, and that's and then history is made right there. That decision. Did you guys realize how big it was going to go? When it did, it did oh, no, absolutely not. It doesn't make any sense. These guys, these guys were <laughs> years old when the show was picked up. Like they were thirty-five. They, I'm thirty-six now, but they were thirty-five at the time. They got this show. They are like all fresh-faced at thirty-five. Like they've never really, they've done plenty. Like they're, they all like in their own right had been. They've put in the work. You know, like like the Beatles. Like they were in, you know, Hamburg, Germany for years before they blew up. Like. It's it's the same thing. Like they they had put in like over a decade of uh, of doing sketch and improv and hustling and submitting shows. So they were like, it was re- they were it was ready for them. But it's on paper, it seems crazy that these like four guys from Staten Island, you know, that are like thirty five years old are going to have a show that takes off. And it also didn't take off right away. It was sort of a slow burn. Like season one was okay. Season two, you know, got a little bit more. Season three, a little bit more. And then it's just like, you know, the train just kept rolling. And it's still not even like, it's a big show, but it's crazy how many people still don't know it. You know, and luckily, because then we could keep going. I'm keeping the flame going. Every time I see a new friend, you're watching Practical Jokers. Uh, make sure you watch it. Oh, we'll say what somebody will come around my house and I'll be like, watch this shit. You're going to love it, you know? Because I just want people to to connect with me on that level because I think it's great. And I think one of the the, better, the best moments for that is when they're all huddled around a microphone and they're just thinking of shit to do to this guy who's on camera. They're like, ooh, 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 tell him this, tell him that, tell him this. Yeah, and they're whispering in this guy's ear. That that camaraderie is just something really special about it, isn't there? Yeah, it's funny. It's, it's actually like a weird thing I'm just realizing now. Like the structure is like, they see some guy or something and they say, oh, do this. Then they all laugh at the idea of doing it. And then the guy does it. And sometimes just as funny as just their idea of what it would be like. And that's kind of hard. That's like Babe Ruth coming out and like pointing for the stands and then hitting a home run there. You know? Do you 
Do you think that the show works best because it, you know, it primarily focuses in New York? I've been watching a long time. You'll have to pardon me for this. Um, I, I don't even have cable anymore. I'm a fucking asshole. Um, it, yeah, I know. Right? I mean, like, you get everything else in the world going on. I mean, fucking, why do you need cable? But regardless, that's not the point. Do you think that it works so well because you guys do it in New York City and it's kind of like a place where anything can fucking happen? So people are like, oh, this guy is in a fucking Jesus outfit. That makes sense. It's New York. I definitely think New York is the best place for it. And it, we've done a lot of travel episodes and that's always really fun. Mm. It's like new environments. It makes us lean into a specific thing. The whole crew gets drunk every night. It's really, really fun. Um, but the, I, I think New York, for the reasons you said, but also because there's just so many people who come through and so many different walks of life and people who, like you said, don't have cable and just don't even have a TV. Their apartment is too small. They read books. So I think that for that reason, New York is kind of the best. It could maybe work in another big city, but I don't know. There's something about New York. There's just so much more foot traffic, people walking around doing things. Like people really live outside in a city in New York. Which break it's it's you know it's it's that's that's why i think it works it probably wouldn't work as well in a place like texas we're like oh let's solve our problem by shooting it <laughs> yeah, we get shot a lot i think in all- <laughs> well what happened to sal he's dead yeah, we'd have less season five would be like oh the three of us are going to continue but <laughs> we just came back from we just came back from uh sal's funeral and it was really sad but very funny you should have seen what we did <laughs> we did an episode in texas i should say and uh, we, yeah, we, we didn't, we didn't include any guns, and we, made- yeah, yeah, smart. Um, <laughs> they, I was going to say that you know, talking about how it works in New York, and we have the secret recipe. These guys, they got charisma even in the thirties. They absolutely smashed out of the park. They did trial on a series of this in the UK, UK's version of the Impractical Jokers, yeah. and it flopped big time. No one wanted to know. They're like, who the fuck are these guys? We don't want these guys. Even us Brits, we're like, we don't like this shit. Where's Sal? Where's Q? Give us them guys. We don't want this shit. It was terrible. Yeah. There's actually been spinoffs in several countries. I think there's maybe six at least. There's there's like a, there's one. Is it in like a, uh, not Germany, but something like maybe, maybe like a Dutch version that's called The Fuckers? Oh. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Title. And there's some countries like like um, maybe some Spanish speaking countries that have done pretty well. Um, they still air Impractical Jokers there with like overdubs. And I think that yeah. also does well. So I think in some places it's done better than others. Now, when you see something like that, is that flattering or is it kind of like a fuck you? Oh, no. I, I mean, well, <laughs> I, I'm not getting any residual checks or anything no. on it. So it's it's in that way, it's a little bit of a fuck you. But uh, <laughs> it's not. that's probably my own negotiating fault or hindsight. I don't even know how to I don't even know who to blame for that. The industry. Um, but in terms of just seeing that or hearing that, it's it's a huge honor. I'm like, oh, my God, that's incredible that something that I have participated in to help, you know, you know, just a, a little bit even is international. It's just incredible. That's just, that's wild. It is. It's, it's fantastic. And, you know, has it ever gone so bad for you guys where the production teams had to run around and go, no, 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 no. It's a, it's a TV show. Uh, don't worry about it. Put your gun away or calm down, ma'am. Uh, don't be such a Karen about it. I mean, I'm joking, but like, you know, it must happen. It must happen to you guys. Yeah, we've had it a few times and sometimes we've aired it and sometimes it's been like a little aggressive 
and we didn't even show it. Not too much, though. There's, I think each guy has had like some little moment where somebody was like, be, you know, just took it the wrong way or was having a bad day, and it just sort of it, it rubbed them a little bit more wrong than it should. Because in general, the guys aren't that aggressive. There was some guy who like hit Murray with his phone, like slapped Murray in the face with his phone, which I'm kind of like, phones are pretty expensive. That's a, maybe that is an honor. Maybe he's trying to compliment him. Um, and then there was a time where a guy kind of got mad at Sal for because Sal threw something at him on the Jersey Shore uh, boardwalk. Hmm. And then there was a woman who yelled at Joe when she he was taking people's baseballs or catching people's baseballs at Mets at like the Mets Stadium or whatever. Hmm. Jay Stadium. It's the new city field, I guess. Um, so that was yeah. And she was really screaming. She wouldn't sign a release. It worked with a blur. We say that sometimes. It'll work with a blur. That worked. <laughs> but it was really intense. And Joe was really shaken up about it because he has kids. And he was like, and he just, it just, that was the last thing we filmed. He was like, okay, we're done. And he, mm. we have to end it there. And it's a good climax, you know, for sure. But yeah, it, it's a lot. Sometimes the show can be draining on them. So uh, like with, with the experience you guys have, what's the biggest challenge you guys face on a daily basis when it comes to record, uh, doing a show like this? Um, I would say some of the things we really look out for and you could still be wrong about is foot traffic. So if we're filming somewhere and there's just not a lot of people coming through, then it makes it a, a life a lot harder, especially since we have to get four turns. So if, even if Merck goes out and he's got good people there, Sal goes out, he's got good people there. If the next two don't have a lot of people coming through, we're in we're in trouble because you know even if three like we have this thing where Joe Gatto would always say, "Oh, it's a case of the Gattos." It's, it felt like he'd always go four and <laughs> film in a day, and it would always be less people by the time he went. It, it got so much so that like even if Q was out and there weren't a lot of people, he would say, "Oh, case of the Gattos." So it's like a term. So that's definitely one is you know aspect that's tough. Early on, we had some issues with locations not knowing how much of a production we were. Because when we started, no one knew the show. Like People knew of Candid Camera, but they just thought it would be like a few ca- people holding cameras. But we have to like hide cameras, like security cameras almost. And we can't use their security camera footage is very bad. You can't really use it. So we have to like hide, you know, nice cameras. I mean, they're, they're you know, they're robotic cameras. They're very, they're, they're not like. It's not like you're rolling up with like a red camera. I don't know if you know those those like big expensive. Mm. They are, you know, decently nice. And so you got to hide them and then put cables through the walls, basically. And like we bring rugs to cover the cables. There's it's like intense. So if it's your home, uh, you're not a home usually, but if it's your business and you see all these people like moving furniture, getting on ladders, putting cables around, you're like, oh, I didn't realize this was going to happen. Now they know the show. They have a whole spiel of how to like tell someone like exactly what to expect. We know that we need an extra room. Like we know we, we like when we started, we were like figuring out the show and we had to like tell people this insane thing in order to get them to let us film there. And mm. That's crazy. If someone's like, hey, we're going to use your house. You need to have two rooms. We're going to hide cameras everywhere, put cables through, put ladders everywhere. There's going to be 45 to 60 people there like setting up. It'll take two hours to set up. Two hours to take down. We're going to be there for nine hours. It's it's crazy, and 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 it wasn't even like a hit show. Now it's a little easier because because people like the show. So people who own businesses who know the show are like, yeah, come film here. Mm. Great. It was wild. It was a wild west. 
Do you, do you ever run into people like, you know, they, they see these sketch go on and they might even be familiar with what happened um, with the scenario. They're like, oh, this is Impractical Jokers. And then they'll kind of stick around like in the background or whatever, trying to watch what happens next. Does that happen a lot? Uh, luckily, our fans are like really respectful and they're kind of like, oh, absolutely. So so if our like um, assistant director or like, a, you know, if, if, some, if a producer or someone was just like, hey, we actually like, need to clear the area. Everyone's really so far has been really respectful. There's sometimes t- people are like, oh, you know, I love the show. Can I stay? And then we have to kind of be like, I know, but the guys are filming there and they'll be like, can I get a selfie? And we're like, no, because like, the guys are fit, like working right now. Yeah. And they're a little bit like, oh, this sucks. But and I understand the disappointment of it, but you just kind of have to hope that people understand or. Absolutely. Because I mean, like one of the greatest things about running into your heroes out in the wild is that, you know, you want to share an experience with them. So people like the Impractical Jokers, who are known for doing really fun and crazy stuff and have really built a really strong following. Of course, they'd want to take pictures, but they also got to understand that in the wild is where they do their craft. So it's, you know, unfortunately, not the best place to kind of ask for a picture, ask for an autograph and things along those lines. I I would think they would be understanding, though. Yeah. And and then sometimes you get a person who kind of recognizes them and then tries to get in the scene so they'll like walk by and it's it's always very obvious you know because they're like slowly coming through and, and then the guys are just in the back making fun of them like look at this person like trying to get trying to get sal to talk to him clearly you know, the show. Can we send somebody in to take him away and then like usually the person like is like yeah i'm busted um, or if let's say somebody this, this i'll tell you some of the scenarios that happen sometimes somebody films something and they don't recognize the Joker, but they know the show. But they don't recognize him because that happens. Like sometimes, if you take one out, a casual viewer might just be like, "Oh, I didn't know it was you. I do know the show. Are you filming it now?" You know that happens. You know, not all the time, but that happens. Sometimes someone goes, someone is convincing enough that they're like, "Oh yeah, like I actually knew the show." We mark that, and we would never air it. Like mm. as soon as they say that, it's like. Okay, because we don't want any like we care so much about that authenticity. I think there was like yeah. two, one or two times where like we had a group of focus group members, and in two different focus groups uh, between like season two and four, there was the same member of the focus group, and we di- we didn't know like I mean, somehow that slipped through. But people like a few people online found it and was just like, "Is the whole show fake?" And you're like, "But this happened like two times." No, like. <laughs> goes to focus groups and probably like figure it out a way to like change their name to the get into more focus groups <laughs> they, they, they get paid like 20 bucks or something so it's like they probably just wanted to sit in another focus group and then realize they were on on the show again put a fake name i don't even know so that's that's like the two times that you know that might happen but for the most part we only film with people who are really unsuspecting because you can smell the difference like you just see it in their face what 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 is the fan base like then? Is it? I mean, because when it comes to fanboys and, and uh, you know people that love something so much, they can get quite nasty. I mean, like when it comes to Star Wars or things like this, uh, you know, it can get quite quite tepid sometimes and quite nasty. You know, um, it's a mix. It's a mix. Like it's hard for me to put my finger on it. I've been on the Joker's cruise a few times, and that's like when it's like the super fans come out for the cruise. Yeah, and uh, I, I went on every year, and you know I, I perform, and the guys perform, and it's like all of our all crew members come, and family, and and like you know other stand up friends that are just friends with the guys. They'll come out and do sets. Uh, 
and you get to really interact with a lot of the fans and they're so nice. Uh, and I, and just, it's just different. Like everyone's a little different. I, I, I'm trying to think of something that would be a parallel. Cause also you not only have to be for the cruise, you not only have to be like a fan of the impractical jokers. You kind of need to be like a cruise person. Yeah. This person is a person who likes to have a little bit of fun, you know, like, yeah. So that Venn diagram of like impractical jokers fan and, and cruise person, it's actually pretty good. It's pretty big. It's it's a, it's a it's a fun personality of someone who's just like looking for fun, understands like that like th- this this connection probably brought a bunch of their friends that have the same connection. And so you you see a lot of that. You see families, a lot of kids. That's really nice. Like uh, one of my favorite things that people sometimes tell me is that like they have multiple TVs in their house. Mm. One Impractical Jokers on, the whole family is together watching it on one TV. And that's what I love. Like that's what it was like with me and my family, like watching The Simpsons or mm. you know Seinfeld or something. Like that. Mm. That that's what it. So that means a lot. Yeah, that is cool. I mean, it, it definitely has that dynamic because it, it does a little bit of something for everyone, right? Like the adults get it because like, oh, that's a crazy scenario and blah, blah. And the kids are like, oh, that's just so funny. It doesn't even take age to understand that. I get it, too. It's it's a cool thing. And it's it's some really hard to do sometimes uh, to accomplish that goal. And I, I'm just a, I remember hearing about the Impractical Joker um, cruise. I find that to be so interesting, though, because you're really putting your, you, you're really like putting your, yourselves out there in a on a boat in the middle of the fucking ocean where people have complete access to you. It's not like they lock down an entire part of the ship where they have guards and shit. You, you have a room sometimes right down the road. What's, what's that like? Does it ever get a little, I mean, like you said, obviously earlier that, you know, everyone's really good on a cruise generally speaking, but does it get a little wonky sometimes? It hasn't. No, I, I've no. Been honest, it hasn't, you know, the guys, you know, the boat is prepared for when talent is on the boat, you know, mostly the guys like my room is the same as, anybody on the boat um, but the guys have like rooms that are like have some security involved so they're in a little area where there are like security guards that are always around you know they're like you know ex-cops and stuff that are just like you know they like took this job and they're really nice and we you know we know all their names and they they know us now by the fourth time and really, they'll let me go back there because they, they you know they remember me um, and then they're but they're professional enough that they lead them through the back hallways and they, you know, they could, they could kind of help with navigating. And then the guys are, are also sometimes like, Oh, I don't, you know, I'm okay. I don't need any detail. You could hang back and I'm just going to hang and um, mix it up with some of the fans. And you'll see <clears throat> Joe Gatto going out, taking selfies with a bunch of people, jumping in the pool, you know, high fiving people and then yeah. when he's out there for like maybe 30 minutes or, or more. And he wants to go back. He'll just be like, Oh, I'm ready to go. And the security guard will kind of help him get through. Cause otherwise, You'd be going through the boat and everyone will stop in you the whole time taking photos and stuff. So he tries to be smart about how much energy he has to spend time with people. You can't be on the whole time. You can't do that. It's impossible. Yeah. And, and his family's on the boat and all the guys' families are on the boat. So they want to see them and spend time, with, spend time with them or like just chill an hour before they have to do a show or they'll be on stage for an hour and a half. So it's, it's – but it's good. Like the, the, the boats set that up. They, they're used to that world, and they, it's probably the same for anybody who, who goes out. And does how many people? How many people fit on a cruise? A lot. I'm getting it's like around two thousand. Oh, fuck the ratio. So four guys for two thousand people. 
that ratio would just be you couldn't just go for a stroll across the deck because they'd be like, oh, what a picture, what a picture, sign this, yeah. sign this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're super fans too. So like anybody who's appeared on the show, like um, you know, like I I have a buddy Joe Ambrosio who's been on like the show just a handful of times, and people are like stopping him for autographs and selfies and stuff. So anybody who's like. Cameramen that just appear, they're just accidentally on camera a lot. They know everything about them. They're like, You're Jeff Sellis, you're the cameraman. I follow you on Instagram, you're the DP of the show. Like, they know all the details. They're like, In season five, you became DP, which is director of photography. Like, it's it, they're super fans, but they're really respectful. They're not like, I know where you live, <laughs> which I do. Congratulations on the baby, <laughs> you know, Mazatov. It's fucking excellent. Uh, now, like we can uh, obviously, we, we came to speak to to you, Casey, and we didn't just want to like fanboy over over impractical jokers. But if you look on your IMDb, you've got so many amazing writing credits, and one one of the ones that, that sort of really struck out for me is that is uh, Late Night with Jamie Fallon. There's like ninety episodes which you wrote, right? Yeah. But- I mean, so the way that breaks down on there is anybody who's a, a writer at the time is like a contributor to that episode. So yeah, okay. I worked there for six months and you know we do an episode every single day so that's why it's like like you know i worked there for 90 shows which is you know which is or or i i wasn't even sure what the number is but that's kind of how it works and so everybody would be submitting stuff like monologue jokes or you know a desk piece or anything else so everyone's kind of doing that every day so everybody gets credit when you're hired on that show that's how like the writers guild and imdb i guess put that together Mm. And, and how does that compare? How does that compare to something like *Impractical Jokers*? Then, because I imagine there's a lot of demand with things like Jimmy Fallon and you know the, the late night TV shows. That that is where you yeah. you you make your bread and butter, right? Yeah. Uh, but with *Impractical Jokers*, is if I was at if I was still at Jimmy Fallon, I'd be making a lot more money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but *Jokers* is I love it because it's a different show every day, like every bit, yeah. completely different universe. That we have to, you know, so if there's something where, you know, they have to send emails to someone and they talk to someone in the coffee shop and they'd be like, is he, this email good to go? And they read an email. We help write those. And if they're, if they have to think of something to surprise Murr, I have to come up with some ideas. So every day it's a new challenge. And I, I really do like that. It's like writing for a bunch of different shows. Whereas mm. Fallon, I think it could probably become a grind if you're there. Like I've been at Jokers for 10 years and I'm, I'm, I still love it. Like, I really do love my job. Uh, and I think sometimes with like, those like Fallon or Conan or Late Night or even like scripted shows, people usually stay a year or two unless they're like the brass, like high up, and then they'll stay a long time. Mm. But in general, people like to jump from show to show to kind of keep it fresh and also to build up a resume. Most people don't do what I do, which is just like stay at the show forever. But I love the guys. I love the show. You know, it's a skill set that I care about. I'm working on. They they give me freedom to work on other things. Like during this this ten years, they let me go to do a lot of stuff. They created new opportunities for me on the show. They have been really supportive. So I, I have extreme loyalty because of how loyal they've been to me. It's it's incredibly important to kind of like keep it varied because like I mean this is not in a comparison. But this is just like an understanding type of thing. Um, I work a job. 
it's a manufacturing job. Um, I got very, very tired of the daily grind of it all. Like it's the same thing every fucking day. And it drove me nuts. Like I'm like, there's no creativity. To this, and of course it's manufacturing is not, it's not dripping with creativity unless you're in the arts department or something. But, um, so every single day doing the same exact thing, I, I was really going to leave that job because I'm like, I just can't do this anymore. I, I'm going to go fucking nuts if I have to make another helmet for a soldier and stuff. So I got offered a job in quality, which, um, you know, give me a lot, one, a lot more freedom to, I get to bounce around from job to job, checking out stuff, making sure everything's working right. And it's something I can foresee myself doing for some time. Like I don't get nearly as bored. So keeping it varied is just so incredibly important. You know, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Also feeling respected, uh, like for your skill set. Yes. That's a huge thing too. Like the guys have a lot of respect for everybody who works on the show. And when they find out that you could do something else, like, you know, they've always been like, oh, make a song for this thing. Or do you want to do, you know, do you want to be on camera or this and that? Like they, they really do listen and care. And they, I, I think they respect the, the talent that their crew has and, and, you know, provides opportunities to do that. You know, you know how many crew members have been on the show and played characters or done something. It's like, you know, it's cool. So I, I bet you it's the same where like, you're like, I'm ready to leave. And then they're like, well, we noticed that you're good at this. What if we give you this gig? You know, I, yes. That's respectful. Absolutely. Um, out of all the cool things you have done, has there ever been something that you really did want to do that just didn't work out? Or, you know, not in a bad way, not in a shitty way, but just way like, oh, man, I wish that would have worked out. That would have been fun. That's a good question. Um, yeah. I, I, I definitely think there's probably a lot of, a lot of opportunities that – have come and gone. Like I've pitched shows that didn't get picked up, um, you know, multiple. Uh, I've come close to working or, or writing on shows that didn't get picked up, or or um, I didn't get the job. Uh, you know, there's yeah, there's definitely like little things that you just can't control. And you know, honestly though, I do remember like the highlights of things I've done more. That's why yeah, I'm yeah. Of it. Like there was a thing I did last year where I got to work with Will Smith. And the only reason why Ooh. is because it was like a hidden camera, like target commercial. It was like the, the, the he was like going taking yep. over the, the cameras, and so I got to help with that and and directly work with Will Smith, a person that I've like loved since I was a kid, both for his like movies, his TV show, and his music, which mm. three things I very much care about. You know, yes, music, me too. Me too. <laughs> uh, very unique, though. Uh, I mean, <laughs> movies, music, and TV. It's just like wild. It was wild to um, be able to do that. And so I always try to focus on the things I, I kind of ha- I have done. You know, I, some failures are fun, though. Like some yes. you're like, okay, this was obviously a nice learning moment, <laughs> and I'm glad I failed because now I won't make this mistake again. Um, Oh, absolutely. It's one of those, you know, human being things where it's like the greatest lessons are sometimes not the most important ones. They're ones that you like learn along the way. You're like, oh, well, next time I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do it a little differently. And it always like betters the the following thing, right? Like you took those little life lessons you picked up from doing what whatever may have not panned out and you put that forward. And the next time, you know, there's no saying that, oh, well, I'm not going to make that mistake again. So fucking I can do this. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I imagine it'd be quite damaging to be like, oh, I'm put, you know, when I'm, see, at the moment, I'm trying to fill up a, a, a cast list for a charity event that we're doing. So I'm trying to write to people, uh, some, you know, some famous people because we're trying to raise as much money for this charity. Uh, it's a live 24 hour thing. 
right? So I'm writing to people going, hey, we're doing this amazing thing uh, for a charity. Would you like to come on this thing? And I, th- I, th- I think to myself, this is the one. This is the email that someone's going to read. They're going to come back to me. They're going to come on the show. And it's quite damaging to be like, they didn't fucking read it. They didn't get back to me. Like, if you were like that with every single thing that you were like, hey, I've got this idea, it would, it would, it would be quite, I, I imagine it would be quite bad. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you can't live on that. So, I mean, like, what do you, I mean, obviously Impractical Jokers, but I mean, like, what do you, what are you setting your sights on right now? I mean, like, obviously Impractical Jokers doesn't go as long as it possibly can, but do you have your sights set on something else? Is there something you really want to do? Something you, or maybe music, anything? What's up? Yeah, I mean, there's always, there's always little irons in the fire. And, I, you know, I try not to, like, for the same reason that you never know what's going to happen with them. I try not to, like, talk about them too much because i feel like it's gonna jinx it like i'm not very superstitious Mm. like i just don't ever want to be like hey i'm about to get this thing no no but yeah there's definitely other shows and ideas um that i'm excited to pitch or just try out um or you know even just create because i think at the end of the day that's all i really want to do is you know work with a group of people and kind of make something and that's that's what i think tv worked great for that because it's this it's going back to what i said before with like when i was making my friends laugh and joking around with them and then doing those plays like where you put something together and then you perform it and it's this camaraderie and really like that cliche of like the journey not the not when not the destination and i think that's that to me is what I'm just excited for is like more years, hopefully more years in this world where we're like making some TV and or movies or whatever, like music. I think, uh, I think making that, making those, ha- being able to work is what I look forward to. Like, yes. Yeah. Money. Yeah. Yeah. Money for sure. I love, I'm definitely <clears throat> Fuck yeah. Money. But I think this year, this like last COVID year, there was some time off, and I was like, "Oh, I can't really do the thing that I really love to do, which is make money." No, is <laughs> so I, it made me realize, like, "Oh, I really do like this." I'm glad I didn't get into other things, you know, because there's you know there's times in your life where you're like, "Which path do I want to do?" And I'm kind of glad I followed this one, and I just hope it keeps going. That's. Um- have you has have you guys ever thought about maybe doing like um the you know because there's plenty of programs like the Growlings and in teaching course along those lines and how great you guys are at impromptu I mean has there ever been talks about doing like a like a class or a course or something to kind of maybe get the next generation of impractical jokers in line? Ooh, that's interesting. I I did a I did a lot of stuff at UCB and Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. Yes, it's kind of like a Growlings or something. It was in New York, um, and. I think they're all I think they're all good, but I think I would feel a little icky creating that. I think I would feel like I'm I'm making a scam or something, like a pyramid scam. Um money. <laughs> I, I, I can't you know I, but that's my own fault. I get in my own head about taking people's money, which is crazy. I like getting paid to make things, but I don't yeah. I don't want you I don't want people to pay for the things I make. <laughs> like conglomerate to do it you know, yeah that's a that's a very that's a very that's something i got to talk about with the therapist but, <laughs> but the, the idea of i do like the idea of you know because I, I could definitely see the guys having enough of a fan base that would be want to want to follow that you know because i think there's a market there for sure 
And I would have fun <laughs> teaching, but maybe that's the thing. Maybe that's the let maybe make all the money and then give me a little bit to teach. Maybe volu- you know, even like uh, volunteering or something like that. You know, it's a, sure. Yeah. That that way you wouldn't feel. You know, I mean, once again, you're silly because fucking make that money while you can, brother. But I mean, like that way it doesn't have that like you know that little bit of you know thing to it because I mean you guys are professionals. You really are. Like every single day you go out there and you put out the best work you possibly can, and it shows on camera and i think that people could really benefit from you know a little bit of lessons and especially from you guys yeah the other part of it is it's just fun like i think there's sometimes people who take comedy classes because they're like oh look i don't want to make a career of this but i just want to try something that's get, to get me out of my comfort zone and it'll be fun and so maybe but the, look at it at the same time i feel like i really do feel like impractical jokers is possibly i don't know if this is an, a negative way of looking at it possibly just a one-off one of those rare one-off moments that we're not going to see again on TV because the guys have that perfect recipe. Like the people have tried to replicate it. You say people in Spain have probably done okay, but the impractical jokers are like they're up there, man. They're rock stars right now, and like to try and to try, they are. I mean, like they're they're up there. I mean, the Tenderloins show in the UK when they when they did the, the tour, the Tenderloins, it sold out in seconds, in minutes. It was just like phenomenal. Um, I don't know. Maybe I feel like right. I, I definitely think it's like a lightning in a bottle moment with the with that. Yeah, with the four of them being five years old, getting a TV show. Yeah, I don't know how often that's going to happen. That's the other thing that would be funny too. If like we only teach thirty-five year old men. Yeah, I can I can take the course. I'm th- I'm thirty. I'm like, we're in thirty. Thank you. All right. See this? Fucking, we got it. We got one person involved. We can get Alex. He, he's in his thirties. Fuck no. We got two. <laughs> So how long have you lived with your mom? All your life. Okay. Uh, okay. All right. <laughs> You're really good. Money. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely take your money. It's your allowance, right? All right, cool. We got this. How much is that? Um, 50 bucks? When it comes to like taking impractical jokers on the road and stuff as well, um, how much of is it of it is just you guys sitting around the table thinking about what you guys want to do? I mean, obviously it takes a lot of you guys to plan this. It's a lot of a lot of you know logistics and stuff for the live tour or for when we shoot. Um, well, when you guys are shooting, I, I imagine it must be uh, maybe somebody going, "Oh yeah, we need you guys in. Uh, we need some. Let's go do some Cali stuff. Let's go in Cali. Uh, let's go down south. You know, it's kind of a long process. Uh, yeah, I, I I was confused with the live tour, but just. Just to say, like, the live tours, just the four of them, they come up with all that stuff themselves. That's, oh. That's their baby for, like, 100%. A little different. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes if I think of something, I'll be like, hey, Sally, don't you should do the live tour? But that's the most. I- come to Shrewsbury. Come to Shrewsbury, UK. Just, just yeah. <laughs> I definitely don't do any of the booking, and I cannot get anyone tickets, so don't even ask. Oh, that was my next question. I was like, can you give me all the tickets? Um, okay, so, obviously, New York is very successful with shooting. What's somewhere that you guys have gone that you're like, oof, that was not the place to record at all? Not in a way you're talking bad about their city, just the way it, it didn't work. I understand. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I've liked all the, the travel shows. I the ones I went to, I personally like went to to help produce on the on the field, was Texas. Um, we did a Universal Studios uh, and Hawaii. I think I did those three, and the other ones we went to were like Miami, and there was a California episode. We did a punishment for one episode in in Vegas, and we did the UK. I wish I got to go to the UK one. Anyway, nice. I would say that. From the, my experience of the three I went to, <clears throat> Universal was tough for a lot of reasons. 
we had to coordinate with Universal Studios, who were very nice, but it's just it's a whole other level of logistics. There's just way more than if we go to like a brick and mortar store in, in Manhattan. Mm. It's just very different. Um, and also hiding cameras on rides and stuff is, is it tough. Also, it's a you know it's a touristy kind of place, and like what we've learned from New York City is like touristy places the jokers get recognized more so that's why mm. parks that are more residential it's tough to go to Times square because everybody kind of knows them I, yeah. I, you know uh so universal was tough but also a lot of fun we found ways to do it and it was great uh i would say the same about touristy areas because that's the other issue is when we go to to like you know hawaii or Texas or wherever city, the UK, we want to go to touristy places so that it really reads like we're at that place. Yeah. If, like if we if we never shot in New York and we came to New York, we would shoot in Times Square because yeah. Times Square. So we have to like put that place. It's on the map, so we have to show it. So that's that's the other run, running the risk of when we do go to these places, we kind of go to touristy spots, and so it makes it a little bit hard. And what that means is like we just take our time and like like you know disguise a little bit and film for longer because someone recognizes them, and we have to kind of clear the set, not the set, but like clear the play the playing ground and putting them back. You know, it's so it's just it's just a little bit more of an operation. Now, I mean, uh, and you know, the practical jokers in in your career, sir, is, is kind of like a really nice Cinderella story, you know, about especially about working hard and and eventually getting what you know, not what you're due, but what you've worked hard for. What kind of advice would you give to somebody that wants to be in a similar field or even has a great idea but they don't know how to go about it? What what advice would you give them to kind of like live out what they want to do? Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess keep coming up with good ideas that's the thing is like the big difference is like just looking at the guy's story is like they, they i wouldn't say they failed but they didn't get their way multiple times but they never stopped trying you know that's that's like an you probably hear that a lot but it, it's just like keep at it it's the people who drop off that you don't hear about it's it's you know it's you it's always the people that kind of stick with it and really rarely do you hear someone who's been like i've only failed i've done this for 30 years and i've only failed it's just it doesn't really work that way like it's there's just uh you have better odds with like the more you the more you try so and i just think keep pushing yourself to come up with good ideas and it's always about right place at the right time anyway so mm. yeah all right yeah mark yes I like it. I, like it. I, I know we're running short on time, but you know, where can people find you, Casey? Where can the people follow what you do? Yeah, I, I think at this point, I'm, I really only do Instagram much. That's the only one I, I kind of check. Um, I don't go on Twitter. <clears throat> I, I think I go on enough, but yeah, like one I, I use that much. So mostly on Instagram, if, if if anything, and you can find me there. I put up some videos once in a while. I put up a weird one recently. As of as of this week, I put up one where me and my friend Patrick. Um, we crashed a, like a law firm's Zoom meeting and we pretended to be lawyers. It's pretty fun. What? That's fucking insane. <laughs> so funny. I'll let, you, I'll let you guys all find that. Hey, great. Now I have to go on Instagram and watch that because that sounds hilarious. It's just my name, <laughs> at Casey Jost. All right. Fucking that's what I'm going to do after this. I'm going to be like, honey, let's go watch this dude I just talked to fucking fuck with some lawyers. I like this. Problem is with something like that, aren't you scared because they could sue you? Oh, good question. <laughs> we we figured it out we, we figured out a way to do it it's a it's a series that we might want to do more of but i don't know yeah it's weird that we started with a law firm it just felt like the right environment 
I like it. That's, I like it a lot. It's, it's daring. It's dodgy ground. I was going to say, let's go fuck with lawyers. Let's do that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking home. <hunger. laughs> At the end of the day, to post amazing well casey i gotta say man like uh, one i am so appreciative of the fact that you came on the show it was just tremendously funny and and getting to see different aspects of of you know the 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 show itself is is enlightening to me and i gotta say dude you you are a treasure and thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to us it was a pleasure i had a great time thank you guys so much for having me anytime i'd love to come back Oh yeah, we'll take love you. Yeah, we'll take you on that. Trust me, don't open that door. Be like, hey, Casey, so it's week two, and you come back on, and yeah, it's your grandmother's funeral, but you still want to come on, right? I mean, come on, bro. (laughs) Casey, what I'd love to do is like literally, as soon as you dump your bags off going on away with the impractical jokers, and you've been there, and you're like. Get you on, and let's be like, what was it like? How are you still breathing? Uh, What's life like for you now? You know, that'd be just quite cool. Yeah. Yeah, 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 love it. Absolutely. All right, Casey. What what we tend to do now is me and Alex like to do a little bit of catch up. Um, we don't make our guests stick around for it because it's not that interesting. So we're gonna do that, yeah, and we're gonna we're going to release you. Oh, yeah. All right, cool. Very good. We want to blur your face, which would be excellent because people know what you look like. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, blur my voice. But, yeah, blur. yeah, you can. Yeah. <laughs> That we have to clear the sink. <laughs> Who was that lovely black gentleman you had on? He had a really deep voice. Oh, that was our buddy Casey. <laughs> he doesn't look like that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very oh, thank much. You, have sir. a great evening. See you now. Right, let's go over to the later lounge. Let's do this. That was good. You know, I, I really, I really think we should move the later lounge to a closer location. I don't like walking the whole way over here. It's just, I just can't stand the sticky carpets. I mean, I, 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 I have to keep replacing shoes because once they're sticky, once they're sticky forever. You know, it's like stepping and, on the stepping on the pavement in the hot Arizona sun. It just melts them away. It's gross. And I got no problems with walking through like the the smell of weed in the car. It doesn't bother me. But that cheap ass shit that we just walked yeah. through. I mean, have some fucking respect, man. Smoke something decent. It, Jesus it, you know, it, it's not even the bad part. Is I don't like dodging all the hobos in between. Like, there's so many homeless dudes in the middle. I just, you know, it's it's like Frogger. I don't know. It's dangerous. I, you almost oh. got stabbed again. I want to I want to borrow uh, Matthew Howarth's uh, sort of Warhammer that he showed us to a couple of episodes back. Just be like, fuck you, fuck you, you get my fucking warm drink, whatever you want to serve me, get it to my table, I want to get, sit down and just do my chat with the top. This let alone shit, I mean, I'm, I want to speak to the manager. I'm sorry. Yeah, I need to... oh, caring about it, you know, it's piss now, they're going to give you a warm drink of piss. They're lucky, they're lucky that I'm I'm not a Karen. Um, yes. No, that was cool, man. Jonathan Jost, he was a great guest. I'm sorry I was bugging you, by the way, but your mic was like... It went into like overdrive. I don't know what happened, but I could hear you breathing and I could hear your is mouth it, movements and also is it, it just like Is it better now? It is now. But I was like, I oh look at this. I was really turned on. I was just like just tell me more about comedy. Um no, I unplugged my mic and unplugged it back in. 
Ah, there you go. Because mm. uh, you guys don't see this shit. I'm messaging Tom like, turn your game down, bro. He turns it down, and his mic went up. I was like, whoa, what the fuck? So yeah, it was only was weird, weird when you're like, pull out your dick now, and I'm like, right now, fucking Casey's in the room. What am I supposed to do about this? But the way I'll, I'll edit this is uh, it will just um, sort of level out anyway. But yeah, thank you for carrying me there, by the way, because I think like halfway through that interview, I'm very sorry, Casey, but halfway through that, I hit a wall. I mean, I've been up since really early. I've done um, a very long shift at the prison. I walked 14 and a half kilometers today uh, just wow. in the prison alone. Uh, so like I, during that interview, I, was, I have been looking forward to this interview all week, but halfway through, I kind of just went, uh-huh. I think you're fine, dude. I mean, like honestly, I didn't think there was any problem. I thought I, if you'd never mentioned it, I never would have noticed it. So good job mm-hmm. fucking yourself over like that, big boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so let's pretend like we did not just do an episode before this, and let's play catch up. How you been, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine. Uh, I tell you what, let's make some predictions as to how this week actually went because this is going to go out in like three weeks time <laughs> because that's right. we've, we've, we've really really uh you know hit the ground running with our recording lately um so yeah today's been great the weather's been absolutely great the sun is me i'm a bit sunburned on the back on my back at the moment like so sitting back on my chair is painful um are you a peeler when you get sunburned like when like my wife got really badly sunburned when we were out in north carolina and south carolina and she peels like a fucking lizard do, do you do that no man, I go I go almost Italian brown. I go maybe my head sometimes. Like my head's different because it's like that's the first point of call with the sun. It's kind of like ah head. We'll go there first, and the rest of the body will go there later. But my, if I if I do burn my head sometimes, but nah man, my body takes to the sun like fucking like honestly. I'm like a a sun licked god when I've been like a lizard who's out in the sun with his solar and all the sun um good i'm glad like it sucks peeling like i have a little bit of peeling going on the back but like i burn for like a day or two and then i become a bronze god i'm like something from hercules um by the way if you saw my kid um bringing me a note earlier it's this and um it's interesting because like he gets very invested in video games we all know this um like kids do that and um he's playing kingdom hearts and he essentially wrote me a note saying that he doesn't want to go back to the beginning of a level that he worked really hard on, um, which we can't I can't help him with. Like he he did the silly thing of not saving before he turned it off. So now he's like all worried. So after I leave this, I got to do dishes, make dinner, and then I got to help him get back to where he was because he's he's very sensitive about that type of thing. He's like, I worked so hard to get here and it's all messed up. I'm like, don't worry, buddy. It's just a video game. He's like, no, it's real life. You fuck. And I'm like, all right, calm down. Have you ever done that? Have you ever saved a really bad save point where you're just kind of like, I'm just about to die. I'm just about, <laughs> I just saved this bit and I'm about to die again and again and again. Well, and it's so it's, angry. Well, the rewarding part of any video game is, of course, overcoming the challenges. And sometimes you're not set up in a proper place to do so. So in, in the same way that I'm like, well, it sucks that you had to go back, but now there might be new opportunities for you to succeed because we were stuck. So now we're going to take the time. We're going to go back through, see what we can fix to kind of like make it a little better for him. See if they can put him in a better situation when he just wants to beat kingdom hearts, dude. Like he's at the very, he's not the last boss, the last boss, the last part of the game. And all he wants is taste that sweet victory. So I understand him. Like, it's not like I sit there and be like, I don't understand anything you're saying right now. I'm like, yeah, I get it, buddy. I'm sorry. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's, it's a lesson though. It's a lesson though. I think, 
It's it's a difficult one because you don't want to upset your kids, but you're kind of like, ha ha! It's a taste of what we had when we were kids. Yeah, this is the this is what life is all about, kiddo. Um, but yeah, I hope I hope you, this light's doing my head in. It's too bright. I'm so tired. What, what's been right. what's been flashing this whole time? Like earlier, like there was light flashing on you. I thought you're in like a party or something. You're like, look at this it's, light. It's because it's twilight behind me, so it's not quite dark and it's not quite light. So the 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 cat the, the webcam's kind of like. Is it on? Is it off? Is it on? Is it off? I don't know. On, off, on, off, on, off. So that's what's going on. It's hilarious. That may, yeah, I was like, man, he must be in a rave. He's having a way more popular Zoom meeting. He's like, look, I'm at the Zoom rave, baby. Fucking, <laughs> you can't pass me a drink, but I got ecstasy. Oh, God. Do you know what I've been thinking about this weekend, though? And it's it's a it's a weird thing to bring up, but I think it's very, uh, very, very relevant for guys of our age. Things Penis. that you used to... <sighs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just yeah. hang, ah, it just hangs differently now. I lie in the bath yeah, and it's so weird. To the top. I mean, it's so it's weird. Um, <laughs> the balls are way <laughs> below it. I don't even know anymore. No, no, they're very buoyant now. Very buoyant. Uh, but no, I mean, it's um, things that you used to hate when you were younger, but you actually appreciate now. Like the way your body changes and the way you appreciate things. For one example, subtitles, right? I can't watch Netflix without the subtitles now, but with me, younger me, would be like, fuck the subtitles, that's old man shit. Like, it's really weird how we reprogram our, gr- our brains to take us through later on in life. Don't you think? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I feel the same way about commercials. I used to hate commercials for, you know, in the middle of shows, but now, like, as long as it's varied, I, the thing I don't like about streaming services is that somebody will buy a slot and then they keep playing their commercial over and over again. That bothers me still. But, like, when it's, if I was to throw on cable television, there's to be different commercials on. I, I kind of like that now. I'm like, all right, what are, you, what are you trying to sell me? What do you got going on? Mm, yeah. Mm. And things with the podcast as well have changed the way I do things, like with the movie trailers. I used to love movie trailers. As soon as I was like, giving me, ooh, put it in my veins. Whereas now, sometimes, like, with, like, so because of the podcast and because of the way things have developed over the last few years, I'm starting to stay away from some trailer. I'll watch the first initial trailer of a movie and I'll be like, oh, yeah, this looks good. I will not watch any more now because I'm kind of like, I don't want to spoil the movie. With the with a few movies that have come out, I'm kind of, it's kind of ruined me. Like the whole... Um, spider-man homecoming thing i still want to see that scene of iron man and spider-man swinging around the corner together because we didn't get that shit in the movie we didn't get that shit in the movie oh we don't get the scene where um um you know uh what's his name uh peter parker leans into ned he's like yeah i stole his shield once yeah and i beat him up you know we didn't see that shit it was in the trailer but it wasn't the movie them kind of things really pissed me off as an older guy so i don't know yeah i just kind of like watched the first trailer let it just simmer for a little bit, you know. And it's the same with Rick and Morty, right? With Rick and Morty, yeah, I could, I could, but I could probably use a, a um, some, 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 something to 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 go and watch the fucking the first episode. But I'm kind of like, no, I'm gonna wait. Yeah. No, I'm going to wait. I'm going to be patient and I'm going to enjoy it when it comes out. I feel the same way about trailers. I really don't watch unless it's something I just can't live without seeing. I tend to stay away from trailers now just because I like to be more surprised than anything else. Like, I understand what the concept is, but if it's um, did you see the trailer for that Immortals movie, the one they're doing on Paramount Plus with Mark Wahlberg? Like, I had no idea what that's about. So seeing the trailer was kind of important because I would never watch the movie without the trailer. But when it but when it comes to something like uh, like the Loki show i didn't have to watch a trailer to be intrigued by the loki show i i just instantly was already in love with it so i was like i'm gonna watch it no matter what it is fucking same thing with wandavision yeah mm. if it's mcu yeah. I, i'm i'm all for it now but i just hope they don't 
spread it out a little too thin. I don't think they're gonna. I mean, like, there's the group little kids TV series they're gonna release. I'll probably watch that and enjoy it. But I feel like it's gonna get like that with Star Wars very soon, very quick. We're gonna get too much Star Wars, and I've said this. I've said this know. a lot. I don't know. Um, well, if they keep doing things like Rogue One, if they keep doing things like the Bad Batch, and I haven't seen Bad Batch yet, but I, I know what it is. If they keep doing things that are Star Wars themed without involving the Skywalkers or any type of shit, we'll just give them little nods to things. Be like, oh, remember the man that they, they called Darth Vader? Things like that. They keep doing that shit. It's going to do very well because it's Member? such a vast universe. Remember, remember Boba Fett? Well, he's got his own show now, bitches. Um, didn't they release a trailer for that or did they just say they, re- they finished recording it? I don't remember which one. The Book of Fett. Yeah, I think they've, I don't know if they finished it. I don't know. I don't know, but um, yeah, I don't want that to be, and it's not at the moment. I feel like it's manageable. I haven't watched The Bad Batch, and that's because I haven't watched Rebels. I haven't finished watching Rebels yet. Done Clone no. Wars. I need to do Rebels, <laughs> and I've I've watched the first episode. I tried to see if Timmy liked it, to be honest, and he, he didn't want to know. He didn't want to. And usually, about like this shit, I want to be on the know-how because that's this when the memes start and the gifts and stuff like. And I want to like, oh yeah, I get, I understand that. Like, whereas at the moment with this, I'm kind of like, I can wait. I, yeah. I, I can wait. Like I, I want to take that in slowly, digest it properly. Do you know what I mean? I will start Rebels again very soon. Um, speaking of things that have maybe finished recording, something I know finished recording that I'm very, very excited about, uh, which you're going to shit on. Uh, the new Jurassic Park movie is done recording. It is done shooting. It is ready to be ingested, which excites me to no end. I don't have any excitement whatsoever for this. I really don't. I, re- I don't. I hate you. I'm sorry. Such a loser. I, uh, I want there to be. I want it. I'd love it to go back to the way it was. I mean, the, going to watch Jurassic Park in the cinema. The first one was mm. like up there with one of the greatest things I ever saw in a cinema, and I was really young. And then the second one was just as good. The third one I missed, but I, that was dog shit anyway. Um, uh, and the last two, I think, no, not the last two. Fallen Kingdom was terrible. Jurassic World was just fantastic. I love that. <laughs> I find myself wanting to watch. See, I'm such a big fanboy of Jurassic Park. This, like, you know, the entirety of it. That I even watched things like Camp Cretaceous. I thought, like, I watched a few episodes of that, and I was like, "This is great. It's it's really not bad at all." Um, and especially because it's like a kids show, so they really got to kind of like be careful with how they show things. That was excellent. Um, I don't, you know, when the third one initially came out, I did not like it. But the older I get, the more I appreciate it for what it is. And it's it's interesting to say the least. And the story behind it is incredible because it wasn't even done being written when they started shooting it. So they had no idea where they're going. And they, and they put out an okay movie. I need to rewatch Fallen Kingdom. It's one of the things I might do tonight. Like, I think it's on uh, Prime right now. And I just want to I want to refresh everything before I go into the new one. Um, but yeah, Jurassic Park is done shooting. And speaking of things that are shooting, did you see what's been going on with Indiana Jones? The what? Indiana Jones, fucking Harrison oh, Ford. Yeah. He's he's in the midst of uh, filming Indiana Jones <clears throat> Five, which I thought they were done with him. I thought that was over with the last one. No, yeah, that the, the, they are filming with him again. I think this may be his last one. I don't know. He's he's near, yeah, it, he? but like it, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he is because he just got hurt in filming fucking Indiana Jones Five. Yeah, and that's a shame. Like, can't I mean he's been? Have you heard of his exercise regime? The guy like cycles like 
30 miles a day or something stupid like that. Like, that's part of his 20 or 30 miles a day he'll cycle. And he's like in amazing shape. Like, but his bone, his bones are brittle. He's older now, and I did see this story as well about the fans sort of bothering him for selfies and stuff. He's like, "No, get away from me! I'm trying to do a movie." And it's kind of like, dude, the guy's eighty. Leave him alone. Like, I know it's Harrison Ford. I'd like a, a selfie with Harrison Ford, but I know what Harrison Ford is like. I'm not going to go and bothering him and asking for a selfie. There's no way that's happening. I'm sorry. No. no way. Harrison Force. I like it. He slipped over there. It's Harrison Force. Use the Harrison Force, Luke. I've had a couple of rums. There's uh like I said, I'm very tired. So like I've had mm. this is probably like my fifth rum, I think, today. And my because my body's like tired, it's kinda of like, Whoa, we're doing this, are we? We're doing this. We're going there, are we? Um so yeah. That's uh, fine. We're not gonna keep it going too much longer. We we've both been in a you know family time and you definitely need to get some sleep. You've been up much longer than me. Um should we uh should we maybe fucking call it then? Yeah, we'll call it. Let's talk about stuff we're doing. Of course, guys, we are still I'm still gonna drone on about it and I need your guys' support because there are lots of things you need you guys need to keep your eyes peeled because there's gonna be lots and lots of information coming your way about what we're doing with this 24-hour podcast, the new brand, the new name is going to rock your fucking world. This is an idea that's going to cause so many ripples and so many waves across the world. He said ripples. He said ripples. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, man, this new brand is just going to blow us out of the water, honestly. The 24-hour podcast challenge, uh, we're going to be... Uh, recorded for 24 hours from 9am on the 29th of September till 9am on the 30th 12 hours of the Shrewsbury Biscuit 12 hours of you stuck non-stop and this is to raise money for local charity to me Lingin Davis uh, which is a cancer fund Uh, we have our main sponsors in Reach we have a venue thanks to Shrewsbury Town the community and their Reach Community Hub and uh, Reach are just doing an amazing job of branding us they're going to give us t-shirts and hats and you're going to see this amazing logo Uh, so please keep your eyes peeled for that we may need your help Um, also we have some great shows on the network don't we Tom we have some fantastic shows on the network. There is this show, which we are very proud of. What's the difference with Alan Tom? Where we bring on amazing guests um, every single week, and we just kind of figure out what makes them tick, and you know, tell you little stories and stuff. It's a good time. We have You Suck Chronicles with Tom Stevens and Jamie Westwood. I want to change it up this time because I always say Jamie first, and they are a similar show but very vastly different. They are a couple best friends from back in the day who interview amazing people from every single facet of life. There is is um, Wednesday Night Live where we take a bunch of us and we just kind of sit down every Wednesday. We play some games and catch up and have a great time. Um, we have our good friend David Raby with us almost every single week. Amazing dude from a great show called The Speakeasy Gentleman, so it makes you check that out. Um, there is the upcoming show, Yelling at Clouds, that will be available July 14th. And that is with the amazing, world-renowned um, artist, Mr. Eric Fluger from Hollywood Babylon fame or anything Smod co-related. Um, I have a piece of his art right there in my uh, fucking uh, living room. So he is a great dude. And Yes, sir. And what that is going to be is Alex is just kind of there to turn on a mic and back away while Eric just spews his infinite knowledge at everyone all the time. And you're going to get covered with knowledge. Eric is a very formidable uh, brain in this world of non-brains, uh, like I just pronounced. And all these amazing shows can be found on our website, usucknetwork.com. 
And it is a fantastic website. We can find all the stuff that we do. Pictures, movie, no, 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 movies, uh, except that OnlyFans thing you put out that one time. Uh, pictures, audio, videos, all the fun stuff that we do is right there. And this website was made for us by the good people over at WebOrchard.com. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about our sponsor, guys. WebOrchard.com is our sponsor every single week. They are a website building platform, and they are the best at it in the world, if I may say so myself, and not only because they built our website, but because they really are. Um, a lot of like third-rate sites and, and apps will say, you can build a website yourself. I mean, that may be true, but why would you want to do that? Aren't you busy? Don't you have family stuff? Don't you have stuff you could be doing that's not building a website? And the fact is, even if you get it all done, you're very proud of it, it might not function the way you want to. And if it breaks down, you might not get the help that you need to get it back up and running. Unlike us, who we had a problem with our website the other day um the play button stopped working alex wrote up to the guys over web porch and it was back running in less than 30 minutes they are on top of their stuff they they are nothing but serving towards us and you know guys if you have an online presence you really need a website it's not good enough to have social media be your backbone of anything anymore you need a hub and that's what web will do for you so whether you have an only fans whether you sell things on etsy or you just have pictures of you and your cat Whatever it might be is you need a website and there's nobody better at it than weborchard.com. So go ahead and reach out to them. Drop a little line and say, hey, the you suck voice, that mean I'm interested in a website. Good work, sir. Good work. Great work. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Very uh, good. Yeah. Very, very good. Very, very. This has been Once the Difference Podcast. I've been Alex Whiteley. And I am Tom Bruno. And let's get the fuck out of it. Let's go spend some time with our families. Let's find the video. Where is it? Here we go. Goodbye, guys. When it comes to culture either side of the Atlantic, no one does it better. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you You Sucks What's the Difference podcast with Alex Whiteley and Tom Bruno. 